Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I am interviewing John Russell. He is the author of Writing with Ghosts, Angels, and the Spirits of the Dead. So he was aware of his abilities when he was about six years old and around 15 he was giving readings to friends and family and then by the time he was 18 he was reading professionally and he has read internationally for clients in more than 30 countries and the book also talks about his like love of motorcycling and his addiction to bicycles and like he kind of weaved that into the story which was pretty cool i haven't really read anything like that like that before and now he is a paranormal investigator besides being a professional psychic and this book uh basically came from a brainstorming session with a tv producer and now he is graciously sitting down with me and talking to me about it and we had a great interview so i hope you guys enjoy it So do you know anybody who'd make a great guest on this podcast? If you do, please reach out to me at divinehealingbyd at gmail or Instagram message at divinehealingbyd. Thank you. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Davina. I'm great. How are you today? Um, Well, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate you having me. I'm really excited to speak to you i'm so glad you could talk to me thank you oh i'm delighted i'm delighted thank you do you mind introducing yourself to the listeners please sure my name is john russell and i'm an internationally known professional psychic i have clients worldwide i've also been a paranormal investigator for most of my life and i'm also a published author i've just recently uh, released a book in september this year just last month and that's titled Writing with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead. And we'll be talking about that more as we go along. Yes, we're going to talk about all my favorite parts as well. Just, I had oh, chills. Bless your heart. <laughs> I had chills. I laughed. Just everything. It was just, it was great to read, read such a like honest and just raw story about somebody. And I love how you tied in your love for motorcycles and just like the way you weave that in was really, really interesting, which I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, so question, were you always psychic? When did you know you were psychic? Well, I knew, <clears throat> excuse me. I knew when I was about five or six years old mm-hmm. and uh, there were some, uh, some people that had come to visit my parents. I was out in the backyard playing <laughs> and these people drove into our driveway and I didn't know them. And I went inside, ran inside to get my mom and dad. And I said, there's some people that have pulled in our driveway. And so they came out and they said, oh, those are friends of ours. And mm-hmm. so they came over and were, were standing uh, talking with my parents. And I was just kind of hovering around there. And all of a sudden I looked at the lady and I said, you know, you guys have just been on vacation. I said, you stayed at a motel that looked like, and I gave him the description of the motel. And I said, there were trees mm-hmm. that looked like this. There was a swimming pool. And I said, you took that car that's in the driveway now. And I said, you also have kids. You have a boy and a girl, but they're not with you now, but you took them with you. You have a boy and a girl and you took them with you on the vacation. 
So the lady was standing there looking at me like I had snakes growing out of my ears. <laughs> her eyes, her eyes getting larger and larger. And she looked over at my mother and she said, how the heck could he possibly have known that? Because that was what they had come over to tell my parents was about the vacation they had just been on, where they stayed at a hotel that matched the description I gave. And they took their two kids with them, which they didn't have with them then. So that was when I learned that I had the ability to see into people's lives and what they had done. And from mm -hmm. there, I began to develop the, um, the ability to read people's thoughts and then to predict their futures accurately as well. Wow. So you always had that medium. Did you always have that medium connection or did you grow into becoming being a medium? No, I always had that medium connection. I always wow. had that connection with people from the other side, from spirits mm. from the other side. But uh, as I as I grew and I matured, I found ways to develop that gift and to mature that gift and to make it even better. Wow, that's, that's yeah. great. So how did you become a paranormal investigator? How does one get into that line of work? Well, Davina, I was always concerned with the truth. Mm. I always wanted to know the facts about things. And through these paranormal experiences that I had in, in great number, um, I learned a lot, but I also learned that there's a lot of fraudulent psychics and a lot of phony yes. here in the spiritual realm and even in the religious realm. And that Absolutely. disturbed me greatly. Yeah, that disturbed me greatly. And I wanted to uh, investigate things at a level that I could say, okay, this is either authentic or it isn't. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me interested in paranormal investigations. And um, I never took anybody's word for granted on anything. If they made a statement or a claim, I wanted to investigate right. and see if it was true or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the drive for truth is really what got me into paranormal investigations. I love that. That's, that's great. I wanted to just bring up this part in the book where I, I had a feeling when I was reading it, when you spoke about um, the Civil War period yes, and uh -huh. your connection to that, do you believe that maybe you had past lives in the Civil War? Like, do you feel like that pulled to that, that period or like that, that lifestyle? I really don't. I don't feel like I Go have ahead. a past life. Yeah, I don't feel like I have a past life connection there. And I've never really had an interest in the Civil War, to tell you the truth. Oh, um, wow. that, yeah, that came about just by uh, proximity because the uh, the Civil War battlefield uh, here in Florida, where I'm living now, was, was mm -hmm. within, uh, within easy riding distance uh, for the, the mileage that I normally cover on the bike. And I had always wanted to go to a, a, a Civil War battlefield just for mm. the experience of trying to see if I got any paranormal communication or if anything happened. So oh, okay. there was a day and a time that uh, everything was right and the proximity was easy to, for me to get to it. And I decided, oh, I'm just going to go check this out. And I'm really oh, glad I did the experience that I had. Yeah. So it was just like a coincidence, just proximity. Got it. Interesting. My other, right. favorite, my other favorite chapter was the phantom woman on the phone. That just... Wow. <laughs> has, that, has that ever happened again or anything no, similar to that? That was the only time that has happened, and it absolutely blew my mind. I just, as, <laughs> as, from from reading that chapter in the book, it was just one of the craziest, most amazing experiences. And uh, I was like, like I said in my book, I said, I don't know which is the creepier thought, that 
maybe my friend's deceased wife intercepted my call while he was <laughs> yeah. Or is there just some random woman on the other side, some female spirit over there that knows me and keeps track of me or knows who I am or knows of me? And I, I don't know which was the weirder thought, but it was it was definitely a mind-blowing experience. They're both pretty weird. I'm not, I, I don't think you can really measure it. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. So you're also able to, obviously now you're probably doing a ton of phone readings, but people come through as well, like while you're giving phone readings, their relatives or friends, they'll, they'll come and give a message. So that's still. Uh, yeah, a lot of times they will. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. They won't. Uh, you know, people on the other side have things to say sometimes and sometimes they mm-hmm. don't. And um, I'll, I'll tell you of one really interesting experience. Uh, that was I it had. terrifying? Was it terrifying? <clears throat> no, it really wasn't. It was just a, yeah. a really interesting experience that I had in regard to that. I had a client that had, um, for years and years, this, mm-hmm. uh, he my client, and we had, he wanted to, to get some kind of communication from his grandparents on the other side. Okay. Okay. And it never came through, never came through, never came through. No matter how many readings we had, no matter how hard we tried, they never came through. And uh, one day, finally, uh, there was a, um, a little brief moment where his grandparents came through. And I got their description um, I gave the, uh, the description of the man and the woman, and he said, oh, yeah, 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 that's, that's it. That's my grandparent. Aww. And excited because it was finally happening, right? Right. So after that, uh, nothing. They just, they just showed up, gave just him description that I was able to describe to him that it was them, and he could identify them. And then after that, for a while, there was absolutely nothing else, no more messages, nothing. And we were both just astonished, and he was really disappointed. And then shortly after that, in a reading, he started the reading by telling me, you know, I've just discovered some really disturbing things about my wow. mother, truthful she's been, and that I can't trust her. And with that, the floodgates to his grandparents on the other side um, opened up because oh my gosh, waiting for, for him to find that out on, their, on his own. And then they could verify that and provide additional information to him about his mother and saying that he shouldn't trust his mother. But if they had come through right up front and told him that, he wouldn't have been prepared to accept that. Right. So that's really good for people to keep in mind that if they're like waiting for like a message, they need to. He he discovered for himself, began to discover that he wasn't trustworthy. And then by his grandparents confirming that and, um, expanding on that even from the other side he was ready to receive that message then and once they delivered that then they begin to come through regularly and they would tell him things like you know this is a favorite food i used to make for you and things like that so it was real comforting to him but it had to be the timing had to be right right uh, yeah had to be right for them to make an appearance and give them the message uh, that they really wanted to give him so sometimes they do come through Aww. sometimes they don't. sometimes they just don't have anything to say for a while and uh, various reasons for that there are so people should keep in mind if they're like waiting for some kind of message maybe they need to do some work by themselves and that could 
light the fire and then they'll get a message one way or another that they've been waiting for. Right, so exactly. That's a exactly. that's a great story. Can you tell me a story or a situation that you were terrified about? <laughs> um when I was a um when I was a small child, mm-hmm. this this was the portal that opened all this. Uh I'm I'm firmly convinced. Um when I was a small child, I was sound asleep and I woke up just wide awake suddenly for no reason at all that I could discern. I was just totally, completely, suddenly wide awake. All right. And I thought, well, this is odd. And, and I raised up on my elbows and my parents had a nightlight down the hallway. So it cast a little glow so that I could see a little bit. And I was just kind of looking around. I thought, why am I suddenly wide awake? And I guess I was probably about five then. And uh, from around the corner of the hallway, a doorway in the hall there, uh, this old black man was looking at me. And I screamed bloody murder because we were white and we didn't have anybody black living with us. Somebody had somehow broken into the house, gotten into the house or whatever. And uh, so uh, I started screaming. And as I screamed, he came around the corner of the doorway into the hall and closer to my bed. And uh, that really terrified me. And I could identify him. I could see him clearly. Uh, He was an old black man, had dark black skin. He had close cropped white hair, a plaid Mm -hmm. shirt, khaki pants, black belt and shoes on. And my parents started turning on lights and started, started running to the bedroom. And as they came running, he started disappearing. And it was almost like the Chesser cat. He started disappearing at his feet. His body began to slowly vanish until there was nothing but his head left. And then that vanished as well. And when my parents came in, uh, I told them, I said, there's somebody in the house, even though I'd just mm-hmm. seen him vanish. I said, there's somebody right. in the house. And I was so terrified. My, my tone of voice was so urgent that they looked under all the beds. They opened the closets, looked in them. They checked all the doors and windows. And, and of course, the house was locked up tight and there was no one physically there. And they said, oh, you've, you've just had a nightmare. That's all. And I knew it wasn't a nightmare. I knew I had seen someone. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that terrified me, and I attribute that to being so young. And of course, uh, and from then on, um, I began to. That was kind of the portal that opened everything up. I think that that guy came through as kind of a guide um, to open up things for me, to open up the portal um, to my gift and to these experiences. And uh, from then on, I've never been too scared or terrified again. Really, I've been startled. That's great. You know, it's yeah. very startling. Uh, if you think you're alone in your house, you, you're locked, all the doors and windows are locked and you're by yourself. You turn around, you see someone standing there, it startles you, and then they disappear and you go, oh, okay. <laughs> so, of course, even at I, that age. Really, really terrified again, no. Good, gotcha. How, so how do you strengthen your connection to the spirit world? Um, you know, it's it's always just been a natural thing for me. It's just always mm. been there in a very natural way. Um, but I do a lot of prayer and meditation. Right. I do a lot of, of focused interaction with the other side so that I keep those channels open and I keep that, um, you know, keep that uh, capability going because I, I want that as a constant in life and I want to be that. And uh, I, so that's, that's some of the work I do that helps. I see. Do you think if you fight your gift, for example, that it'll only get stronger, it won't go away? Well, for some people, I think that may be true. Uh, right. For yeah, for some people, it um, it makes the other side more determined 
to to have you exhibit that gift or to have you to um, manifest experiences to you. Um, I'll give you an example. Like my daughter, my daughter fought her gift horribly. She just didn't want anything at all to do with it. And the other side pestered her relentlessly, (laughs) you know, and then there, there have been other people that um, they have um, resisted the gift and it, it left them alone. Uh, so it really, I think it kind of depends on the individual more or less. Some people seem to be mm-hmm. able to re- to resist it or shut it down more easily than others. And some people it's like the other side's like, no, you're, you're going to receive this. We're going to get through to you. You're going to experience this. So kind of depends wow. on the individual. Yeah. Yes. I heard somebody, she would get a lot of visions that would scare her. So she went to pray at uh, the Ohel and mm-hmm. she, they went away. They went away for her. She really just, she couldn't handle it. She prayed for it to go away, and that was it. So that was an instance. I mean, if you really just ask and say, like, I cannot deal with this. Please take this off me. I think. Yeah, a lot of times that will, a lot of times that will, uh, will uh, make the manifestation stop. Like I say, for, I think for most people it will. For some it won't, though. For some they intensify. It's it's like they're, the other side is just so persistent and, yes. <laughs> and needing to get through, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So how do you recharge your batteries if you get way too drained from a reading or a situation like this? Well, um, I'm really pretty lucky in that my entire life, when I read for people, it actually kind of charges me up. It kind of actually fills me with energy. I um, love that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real blessing. And then the other thing I do, I make sure that, uh, within reason, as much as I can, I keep myself, uh, you know, as physically fit as I can and mm-hmm. uh, spiritually fit, you know, taking time to meditate and to, yes. to commune with the other side for my own needs. And also one thing we have to learn as spiritual workers, we have to disconnect entirely and either sit in the yard and watch the clouds go by or go to a mm-hmm. movie or Absolutely. Or go out to eat or whatever. We have to have that break, and we have to recharge our physical selves because yes. you know we're multifaceted, multidimensional beings, and we have the physical side, the emotional side, the spiritual side, and all of those things have to be nurtured and taken care of when you do balance. And all the gifts work better, all the functions work better. So I, I make sure that I take a lot of downtime, enough time to you know just get away from everything and go out to meet, eat at my favorite restaurant or read a book or I'm in the process of writing a book, another book now, a follow-up to this one. And uh, awesome. that's, so yeah. That's great. So what do you think readers will learn from your book? Well, I, one of the things that I really hope that they will learn is to uh, have some respect for the other side. Oh, yes. I, yeah, I see so many people, some so-called paranormal investigators and, and psychics mm-hmm. and things that uh, throw insulting challenges at, at mm-hmm. ghosts and spirits at the other side. And, and, and then they're terrified when the other side reacts. In kind of, <laughs> yes, right. You know, and to me, that's, that's so stupid. It's so foolish. Sorry. And I think that, um, you know, the experience I talk about in my book where me and my motorcycle were picked up into the air and spun around and examined. (laughs) I I think that, uh, I think that we have to realize, you know, my goodness, what an incredible power that we're dealing with here and how easily this power could harm us if it chose to. And the the restraint that this power exhibits when people fling 
uh, insults at it and hurl curses at it. And so I think that's one of the main things is I want people to be entertained. Um, I'd like them to have fun reading the book. And everybody tells me it is a fun and an entertaining read. Very fun. Thank you. Thank you. But I want them to come away with this concept of, uh, of respect for the other side and a little bit better understanding of, uh, you know, how, how you should approach it and what you should do when you get communication from it, you know, to be grateful, to be respectful and to act on that yes. information. So that's one of the things. And it's, uh, it's an eye-opening thing. It's, it kind of opens people's eyes to um, what it's like to be a professional psychic and to deal with the mm-hmm. other side on a day-to-day basis. So it Absolutely. is an eye-opener. Yeah. And they'll be offered some insights and advice that may help them in their spiritual growth and understanding of and uh, interaction with the spiritual realm. I have a few things in there that are, okay, here's what I've learned from this experience. I think you can too. Here's how you may apply it to your life and maybe gain some additional uh, growth and insights from that. So there's a lot there and uh, I, I want them to enjoy all aspects of it. Most all to, to have fun with it. It's a great read. It's a fun read. And uh, everybody that's read it's called it a page turner, which I really appreciate. It so, is. That's perfect yeah. way to describe it if I had to with one word. But one more part that I really, really loved and I wish more. I, I, I just wish I read this more. The part where you're like, if somebody comes to you and tells you they have all the answers, do yeah. not do not believe them. Um, right. You right. have to kind of connect more to yourself. Exactly. And exactly. find that inner voice and strengthen it because then you're not going to be wanting to reach out to everybody and get confirmation on things. Exactly. Exactly. So that part, I just, when I read, I said, wow, I love this. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing is, uh, again, there are so many phonies and frauds out there and there are so many yes. false paths that can waste our times and waste our effort and waste our energies. And so before you believe everything that you hear, you know, take time to research it, take time to try and validate it. And, and make some effort to, um, you know, like I was, I was on a, um, an appearance the other day and uh, I mentioned uh, my friend, I call him my friend. We don't know each other just intimately, but we do know each other. Uh, Uri mm-hmm. Geller, the famous psychic Uri Geller, who also yes. gave me, gave me an endorsement for my book just recently. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, I saw him at an event. He's great. Yeah, it's really, really great. And uh, so I mentioned him and the experience we had and, and, uh, having met each other and, and corresponding and then eventually getting uh, his endorsement for my book and somebody that was uh, was uh, chatting about the uh, the podcast I was on said oh as soon mm-hmm. as you mentioned Uri uh, you lost me that's why he's obviously a phony and a fraud and a fake well if you go to Uri's site right now and I've always known Uri was the real deal and if you go mm-hmm. to Uri's site right now he has a statement from the CIA stating that his gifts work and that they were genuine and that they could validate that he did what he said he could do. That's from the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency. Wow. What an endorsement. Yeah. And and if people would take just a little bit of time, you know, James Randi, Mm -hmm. uh, the magician, he went after Uri Geller and just really was determined to prove him a fraud and a fake. And he went years and years after Uri just had a vendetta against the guy. And people took to heart what Randy said without ever investigating it, without ever bothering to find out if any of it was true or not. And um, I think that's one of the main things, one of the problems that we have in society nowadays, uh, and that bleeds over into the spiritual realm, is that anybody can say anything and we'll take it and run with it without ever bothering to find out if it's the truth or not. 
So that's the that's the big hot button I have in things is like, let's find out if it really is this way or not. Did so-and-so really say something or not? Have they really done such and such or not? Can they do such and such? And so, you know, don't just take everything automatically, you know, check it out, right. validate it, verify it. And, um, you know, don't just automatically denigrate things. You don't have to automatically believe things, but you shouldn't automatically denigrate or disbelieve things either. Well said. Well said. I wish a lot of people took that to heart. Yeah, so when too. you were writing, when you were writing your book, what were you inspired by? Well, I, the, uh, I had shot a, a TV pilot for the History Channel. Mm. And uh, it unfortunately never aired, but I became friends with the producer. And he and I continued to work on the idea of a television series utilizing my psychic gift. And back in the day when I was a young man, there was a, a TV program that ran for a couple of years called Then Came Bronson. And the lead character was Bronson. And he had been a corporate type and uh, his buddy had committed suicide and and uh, he couldn't figure out what was going on in the world and how such things could happen. And so he dropped out of society, uh, took his motorcycle, packed everything he owned on it and took off across the country. Um, parts unknown, no destination in mind. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of try and figure out who he was, where he fit in the scheme of things, what it was all really about. And uh, it was such an impactful show on everybody that loved motorcycling. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I told my producer, I said, let's do that. I said, let's, uh, let's make a show where I ride into town on my motorcycle. We investigate whatever paranormal event or whatever uh, that we have to investigate, resolve that however we can. And then... I'll ride to the next town and uh, we'll go from there. So he thought it was a good idea. And we uh, approached uh, several producers, several people in television with it. And um, while we were doing that, my producer said, you know, I've had over 800 paranormal experiences in my life. And he said, why don't you start a blog about some of those paranormal experiences? Just write up a few short, short things, just a few short blurbs about things that we could use as, a, as an additional marketing tool uh, for the TV show that we're pitching. And I said, okay. And as I did that, I began to have, uh, I've ridden since I was about 15 or 16, ridden motorcycles since I was about 15 or 16. And I've had all these incredible paranormal experiences since I was a kid, but I had never had paranormal experiences that were directly related to my motorcycling. And mm. as I write that short blog, um, all of these experiences begin to happen that were specific to my biking, my motorcycling. And uh, I wrote, posted a few of those on the blog. And I said, you know, I have to take these and expand them to, to, to include all the details of what happened and then put them together in a book. They're so incredible. They, they are standalone stories that need to be grouped together and put in this book. And, and I've got to get that word out there. So that's how the, uh, the inspiration for the book came about. That's awesome. I really love that. Oh, I also, I just got reminded about this part that I was laughing when you said uh, whiskey induced your nighttime visions. <laughs> mine, mine is red wine, apparently. I discovered that recently. <laughs> well, it, the whiskey doesn't induce my visions. That's what my friends accused me of. They said, these things you uh, see are because you're drunk. And I was like, no. And that's, and that's when I explained uh, my, my family's ability tolerance for alcohol. And, uh, yes. and of course, 
most of the experiences I've had have been during the day when I'm stone cold sober, you know, and those are when I've right. been the, uh, the experiences. But yeah, that's always been a funny thing because people that were disbelievers or people that were a little skeptical were like, well, well you see these things cause you drink. I was like, no, not at all. You know? So yeah, but it, that's funny. You're right. I mean, I, I found out like a few years ago, I was just drinking wine with a few friends. I was relaxing and then I, I was with a bunch of people and then the stranger, this strange girl came around and I just read her right. so well. The whole room was just terrified. And I had a friend who didn't really know that what I could do. And she's like, I mean, I have to get out of here. She was shocked. She's like, what am, who are you, Davina? What is this? I don't, you know, so, Davina, why that happens? Because alcohol, what? alcohol yeah. brings down that barrier, that filter, that yes. wall and allows us to express our gift without reservation. We mm-hmm. had, uh, I remember one time when I was young, I would, I would be uh, one of the featured guests at a lot of psychic fairs and things. And this mm-hmm. psychic fair that I went to uh, several times a year, there was a, um, a restaurant and a bar there in the hotel where it was held. So after I got done at the end of the day, I'd go in the restaurant and eat. Then I'd go in the bar and have a few drinks and go up to my room, be ready for the next mm-hmm. stuff. So one of my uh, friends from the uh, fair that was, they were, were genuine and we had uh, struck up a little camaraderie, a little friendship. They went into the bar too. We met in there that night. And so the bartender came over and uh, he was like, Oh, what, what do y'all do? And so oh, we're, we're psychics with the psychic fair here. And he's like, Oh really? Well, you know, geez, I don't know how I feel about that. So we had had our, <laughs> then and we were getting pretty well lubricated and we were like, you know what? <laughs> We're just both going to read for you right here, right now. Are you ready? I love that. Or whatever. And like all the filters were down and we just both blasted on this guy. We just came out with, okay, here's who you are. Here's what's going on in your life. Here's what's happening with your, your uh, significant other and what they're doing. And, and they're cheating on you right now at such and such a place. He was like, oh my God. So we told him all this stuff and, and uh, we went on, I guess for about 15 minutes. And when we got through, we said, uh, well, how accurate were we? And he said, you know, he said, I can validate about 95% of everything you said as being true, except this wow. one thing that I just have to make a phone call and find out. He went and made oh, the phone call, gosh. <laughs> made the phone call and came back and said, you were right about that too. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a great story. I just love when that happens. Yeah, it's really great. But that's, that's, uh, you know, that's why a lot of people in a lot of cultures and societies you know they may use drugs or alcohol or whatever mm-hmm. to bring that filter down and open up that connection and be just you know totally gung-ho about it fortunately i don't have to uh, but if i do if i am drinking somebody's around it does lower that filter even more and i'm apt to be even more explicit and specific in the reading that i that i otherwise uh, would i otherwise might use a little more discretion but uh, <laughs> you it, must be fun at parties <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was a great story. So we're in very difficult times right now. What advice would you leave to the listeners to get through Corona and all the crazy all the problems? Right. You know, all what we problems. need to do right now, uh, more than ever, we need to have faith and more than ever, we mm-hmm. need to pray and we need to believe and we need to take positive actions for ourselves, for others, for the world. <laughs> we need to come together really, really do that and really, really focus on that and uh, really make the effort uh, to make positive changes for ourselves, for those we love, 
for our for our world. And uh, it takes concentrated effort. It's not something we can yes. get up and okay, I spent 10 minutes praying today and that's good. And then you ignore it for weeks on end. This is a spiritual battle we're in that it's going to take focusing, meditating, praying every single day uh, to see positive change and positive results. And that's one thing that people don't understand. The spiritual realm takes dedication and focus and continued work just like anything else does, you know. Absolutely. Uh, If you wanted to train to run a marathon, you wouldn't get out having not trained before and run around the block one time and go, okay, that's it. I'm ready. And then do one time, you know, so it's right. the same way in the spiritual realm. You wouldn't just say, okay, well, I prayed. I'm good. I'm safe. Everybody's all right. The world's going to be better. No, this is a real battle we're in. It takes focus, effort, and energy to really get this going. So that's what I would leave with everybody and, and tell everybody to have faith, to be upbeat, mm-hmm. to be positive, and uh, to keep working at that. And when you get discouraged, that's normal bounce back and keep going well said where can everyone find this great book well they can go to my book's website which is writingwithghosts.net writingwithghosts.net and their purchase information is to get it uh, at amazon barnes and noble several other places walmart even carries it books a million uh it'll be coming out in uh, apple books soon for uh, you know iphone and, and ipad it'll be at that format available down the road um so there are links to buy it from my website, writingwithghost.net. Also tells you more about the book, has more about me. Uh, and if people just go to Amazon or to Barnes & Noble or wherever and just enter the title, Writing with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead, it'll come up there and they can get it there. And again, you can get it in paperback form. You can get it in ebook form. Uh, I do have a link on my, my writingwithghost.net website that if you would like a signed copy, if you'd like a personalized copy signed made out to you, you can buy it there. Uh, on my website and uh, then I'll, I'll mail that out to you. So that's where they can find. Thank you so much, Sean. I really enjoyed this. I hope you did too. Thank you for coming on and sharing your book with me. It's been great. Davina, it's been so great to meet you. It's been really enjoyable, a lot of fun. And I hope we talk again down the road. Yes. Enjoy. Have a good day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you guys for tuning into the first season. We'll be back in the new year. I hope you really enjoyed these episodes. And if you have any questions and you want to connect to any of the guests, please reach out to me at Divine Healing by D or Divine Healing by D at Gmail. If you'd like to book a session with me, you can reach out to me as well. And have a good one, guys.